unrelenting, unrepentant, and in your face. With a style that is always funny, fresh, and never boring. Join Delhi as he discusses various relevant and trending topics as he keeps you informed, engaged, and entertained. Welcome to Soul Food and Lemonade. Hello everyone and welcome to Soul Food and Lemonade. I am Sharif. And I'm Delhi. We have a guest for you all. Let him introduce himself, tell you a little about him. Hey, what's going on, man? Blessings and balance to everyone um, that's tuning in. Big shout out to y'all. Y'all the real MVPs. The name is Chancellor K. Jackson. I'm born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I wear quite a few different hats. So, you know what I'm saying? Coach, entrepreneur, author, and uh, educator. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. I'll be running. I'll be forgetting my damn <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Now, um, I'm going to pose the first question. Chancellor, by listening to your podcast, it was really, really interesting. You know, I believe as a child, you said you wanted to travel the world and the place that you wanted to go to first, if I'm not mistaken, was China. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you fulfilled that dream, correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> but it was not an easy trip to China. <laughs> yeah. Take us from the very beginning, you know, about the dream and how you made it to China in the first place. Yeah. So um, in the introduction of my book, I flash back to a table conversation um, that I'm having with my family at breakfast. I'm probably around like seven or eight years old. And my mom asked my brother and I, she said, what's three places in the world y'all want to go? And I make sure that we go. I instantly said, China. She's like, <laughs> why China? The only logical reason I had at that young age was that's where everything is made. I want to go to the land where you know what I'm saying everything is made. Um, and it's just from that table of conversation alone, man, would come full circle, you know what I'm saying, a few years later. And after I graduated from college in 2018, mm. I landed my first job teaching English to children in China. Um, mm. right. Yeah, so that's how I ended up out there. And I entered China on October 10th, 2018. And it took us about, it took me about a month and a half to get adjusted, um, just far as all the investments, moving into the apartment and waiting for our money to come back rolling in. So once the money come, came back rolling in, it was smooth selling sense. <laughs> it was smooth selling <laughs> Beijing was absolutely amazing. The best experience I've ever had. I encourage, I always encourage people to travel abroad, mm -hmm. but if you can live abroad someplace, fully submerge yourself in a, a new environment, you'll learn so much about yourself and life in general. Um, so it was it was truly enlightening and it was in a harmonious experience. And I was supposed to do a year. That's how long my contract was set for. But I only ended up doing six months before things hit the fan halfway through. But prior to those six months, like I said, China was absolutely amazing. I enjoyed the people. The people were extremely nice. Best customer service I've ever received, hands down. Um, I enjoyed working with the kids. Kids are kids, no matter where you are in the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Babies don't be babies. But I was working with kids as young as three years old, all the way up oh, wow. to 14, but mainly working with like the elementary school age range. So I say like kindergarten, about third grade, that was my bread and butter for real. Um, so all our lessons were essentially games to keep them, keep them engaged. So I was 22 at the time, so I was able to match their energy like no other. So we had a blast in class every day. 
Um, so I enjoy working, especially because that's what I was out there to do. I'm like, if I don't enjoy this, that's going to dictate the whole experience. So that was harmonious. Um, the food, authentic Chinese food, like no other. Man, <laughs> it's, it's healthy for you, too. So yeah. I lost a lot of weight while I was out there. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't really trust meat, so I was really on a vegetarian, pescatarian diet. Um, but food was absolutely amazing. Meeting the other foreigners out there, that was a vibe. And just exploring Beijing. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in a different world, essentially. So <laughs> right. you know I'm living my best life, you know what I'm saying? And then on April 4th, 2019, that's when uh, things take a turn. And um, I'm arrested inside of my apartment. And um, then I served 14 days in the Beijing penitentiary. After my release, I was immediately deported from the country and came back to America. And I was just back at square one all over again, trying to figure out, you know what I'm saying, how I'm going to bounce back from, mm. you know what I'm saying, the setback. And started writing the, um, the book, 14 Days in Beijing. I released it. It went crazy. And from there on, it was just momentum, you know what I'm saying, that carried over to just different endeavors and fields. And now I got a lot of things going on right now. I'm just, you know what I'm saying, continue to lay down this foundation and build on top of it, you know what I'm saying, trying to get established. In a nutshell. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Really, that is amazing. So I definitely want to say one of my first questions is, after the experience, how are you mentally and emotionally after that? Yeah, I, once the, I was in the handcuffs in the first point. We sit, we got to the first precinct. I was sitting in the chair handcuffed, and um, I was in disbelief of you know, everything that transpired, but still just in the moment, truly, truly in the moment. I remember telling myself, I don't know how this thing for the play out, but I just sit tight. Hey, we're going to learn soon enough, <laughs> for sure. Right. But I know when it's all said and done, how whatever I'm about to endure, uh, however this thing about to play out, I'm still going to be good. I'm going to be me. I'm, my spirit's still going to be intact. Mental's still going to be there. I know I'm going to be, I'm still going to be me when it's all said and done. So with that being said, take note of every minor detail because this is going to be a great story to tell once we're out of this predicament. Um, so I was very just level-headed for the most part. You know what I mean? Cool. Um, can't get, we learned that in football. You can't get too high, can't get too low. You got to stay even keel. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. of course, throughout the course of the game, you're going to experience it. It's going to be a roller coaster. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So just got to you know what I'm saying, stay in the middle. Um, especially in the fog of war in a situation like that, that's when the real leader thrives. You know what I'm saying? So um, just mm-hmm. being, you know what I'm saying, just level-headed and making sure I can make the most logical decisions. Can't make no real decision based on emotions. So, right. you know what I'm saying? You got to act that out, especially in a crucial situation like this. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? So, okay. So. Um, but just to backtrack, what led up to the uh, to you being in the j- in jail in China? Can you can you go into that if you would like to go into that? Yeah, yeah. And so, then, um, yeah. Yes, it's uh, April 4th, 2019. It's a day off for me. Um, the company I work for, they host team builder events every month. So I'm finna get go- I'm finna get ready to go to one of their events and we supposed to be customizing our own Chinese fans. So I'm like, okay, that's gonna be cool. cool. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So before I go, I'm like, I'm a pregame. Now, for those that don't know what pregaming is, say you and a group of folks are gonna go out and have a night full of festivities. But before mm-hmm. y'all go out, y'all say, Hey, we're gonna meet up at so and so house first. Yeah. Turn up at their house, then we're gonna go out and have any more fun. So yeah. I'm in the apartment. I'm drinking some Chinese wine coolers. I'm smoking some cannabis on my little silver pipe, uh, listening to music, just vibing. I get done, get dressed, make sure I got everything I need before I get ready to walk out the door. 
Mm -hmm. I hear a knock. Guests aren't unfamiliar, so I'm curious to see who it is. I look through the people, and there's the three officers from the Beijing police. Hmm. Instantly, I got sick to my stomach. I'm spooked, like, oh, what they doing here? So <laughs> right. scramble everything up, open the door, and they walk in. The officer in front, he's questioning. He's speaking, but it's a language barrier. I don't know what it, it's written on my face. I, I don't know what you're talking about. So he right. opens the phone, speaks into the translator app, and shows me uh, the translation. And I read it, says, are you on drugs? Wow. Nah, family, what you talking about? Who is this guy? What you mean? Passport? Yeah, you might want to see my passport. You got me confused with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I go grab my passport, visa, uh, my apartment contract. I grabbed all my documentation, set it in, uh, on the table. Like, huh, this is what you need to look at right here, play. I don't know what type of time you own, but you got me confused with somebody else. But check this out right here. You know what I'm saying? This is who I am. So he sits down. He's looking over my documents. The other two officers, they're just, you know what I'm saying, scoping the apartment out. They ain't really looking into nothing. They're just walking around, looking around. A um, few minutes pass, another officer enters the apartment. He has something in his hand. I really can't make heads or tails what it is, nor am I devoting that much energy towards trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, but he hands the item to the officer that's looking over my documents. And that officer tells me that I need to pee into the cup. So it's a drug test right there on the spot. Wow. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> it's over with. I do the drug test, fail the drug test, of course. Um, and at this point, it's about eight officers in the apartment. They ransack the place, and one speaks English fluently. So he's questioning me about failing the drug test. When's the last time I smoked? If I had any more, who I get it from? You know what I'm saying? That whole nine. Yeah. Now, mind you, I just got enough smoking pride in them knocking on my door. So I'm still high. <laughs> it's war. I'm panicking, yet still trying to keep my composure. So every question that this officer poses to me, the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm just blurting out. I ain't really thinking about it, nothing. And it got to a point within interrogation where I was catching myself in my own lie. So I knew for a fact he more than likely was catching me in the same lie. Mm -hmm. But I'm from Atlanta, a.k.a. the city of finesse. You live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So, I'm just going back and forth with this officer. And once he realized I wasn't going to give him anything that he could work with, that's when he was like, all right, straight up. You know what I'm saying? You caught red-handed. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right, I died by the finesse this time. It's all good. I live to finesse another day. <laughs> um, I hold myself accountable. <clears throat> so I fess up to it. They confiscate everything, throw the cuffs on me, escort me out the building, sit me down in the police van. And we get to the first precinct. And we're there briefly for like 20 minutes. Then we get back in the van. I have no clue where we're going now. We arrive at another precinct. It's a little bigger, um, has holding cells. So they throw me in the holding cell with um, about eight other Chinese men. And I'm in the holding cell for about 20 minutes before they come get me. And then they take me down to the basement of the precinct. And then we enter this white room. And in the middle of this white room, is this metal chair that looks like an electric chair. Mm -hmm. So they walk me over to the chair and they open it. And they just sit there looking at me. And I'm looking back at them. I look at the chair, look back at them. Look at the chair again and look back at them. <laughs> like, y'all like, really want me to sit on this type of chair? And they just looking at me with a straight face. You thought so you were I about to be uh, executed or something? I have no clue, but they just, <laughs> I sat down. You know what I'm saying? So this chair locked my shins, thighs, waist, chest, and arms all in one oh, wow. I could move was my head. So I did oh my, my whole interrogation locked in this chair, just like this. Um, wow. Two officers entered the room. Um, one is do, doing all the questioning, the other one is transcribing the interrogation. 
But up until this point, that gave me plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse them with. So I gave them my fabricated story. <laughs> um, once we was done, they brought the transcription over for me to read. But mind you, it's all written in Mandarin. So I have no clue right. what this thing is. But they say to sign it. I sign it. They say thumbprint it. I thumbprint it. They release me from the chair. I'm like, all right, bet. We go upstairs. They take my mugshot, handprint, and then they throw me back in the holding cell. And now I'm just reflecting on the entire day, everything that's transpired from the apartment to precincts to the interrogation, just thinking about just creating different scenarios of what I could have did better at the apartment, what I could have said better during the interrogation. Um, you know what I'm saying? Just that whole nine. So but, um, let me just interject one minute. So was it someone who called the cops in the oh, first place? Theater, yeah. It's still a mystery to this day. I get asked all the time what possessed them to come to the apartment. I have no clue. Right. Like, if first somebody set you up, like, that is, like, that's crazy. They just randomly knocked on your door. But this wasn't the first time. Up. They just randomly showed up to the door either. It's like oh, this wasn't time. the first time. Oh, no, okay, okay. Oh. First time, the first time they showed up was uh, to check our visas to see if we were who we said we were. Okay. The second time was to... And remind us about some safety hazard. So I'm like, so the third time they showed up, I'm like, okay, this must be like a routine thing that they do mm -hmm. before. So I'm not thinking none much of it. You know what I'm saying? So I have no clue what possessed them to knock on my door. It's still a mystery to this day. Wow. I get I hear a lot of different scenarios, different opinions, but I'm like, hey. So now <laughs> I get to this question really, because you had your incident with this, and then we had the thing that transpired with Brittany Garner, and then mm -hmm. we've had multiple things of black men and women or just overall Americans going out of the country and something like this happens with, they just have a little bit of weed and yeah. you ready to put them under the jail. So <laughs> with knowing all this, how do you feel now? Like this is crazy to hear how long you were in there, how long she was in there. Like she was in almost I mean, a year and you were in for there sure. for 14 days. Like if you had a little more, who knows how long they would have tried to keep you. Facts. Facts. Like, I mean, I just, I just look at it as like, that's like me coming over to y'all house, me kicking my feet up on y'all coffee table. You know what I'm saying? Making it like I'm like it's 